Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. everybody, back to the Bill Kasky Podcast. I'm going to play for you a uh, clip of an interview program that I was on, Will Barron, The Salesman Podcast. And uh, Will and I have talked before in the past, and he's actually been on this podcast, I believe, several years ago. But here was a question he asked me about the sales process, and I want to uh, play it for you, and then I want to come back and kind of answer the unanswered question there of what is it? that constitutes a really powerful sales process. I want to talk about that. Before we do, though, go to BillKasky.com. If you're a sales manager or sales leader, you can uh, explore my world-class sales leader mastermind program. It's a program I put put together several times a year with uh, 10 to 12 people who are sales VPs or sales managers. Or if you're a salesperson, we have the 2X group you've heard about over and over and over and over and over again. Still going strong. We'd love to have you in it. You can go to the2xgroup.com. Here's the question from Will, my answer, and then I'm going to come back on the other side and give you a little bit more about the sales process itself. What's the difference, Bill, between having a well thought through, well designed sales process that you follow step by step by step because someone can give you that and and having success that way in sales versus perhaps doing the right thing over and over and over for long enough that the success comes to you. What's the difference between those two or the, are they yeah. mutually exclusive? Yeah, I think there's a lot of emphasis on sales process today that's a little bit misguided. And I think we when we love we love the idea of a process that we can throw enough in this end and get something out of this end. We love the certainty of a process. We love it. It's like a meat grind. We throw enough meat in, we get good hamburger on the other end. But I'm not sure that's the best use of a sales process. I think a sales process should be helpful for the customer and you. If your sales process, if there's no value in it for the customer, if the only value in it for you is when you make the sale, it's a it's a crappy process. A good sale, I've got a client in the in the consulting business, and one of his parts of the sales process is he delivers to the client 10 to 15 things that he recommends they do, whether they use him or not. Well, guess what his close rate is? It's 80% because there's no confusion about his value because he has shown them his value by giving them something, and they don't pay for it. But he says, what the hell difference? It's it's good practice for me. It's not that it's, it takes an hour to do. So I think the, the question, the process is, is it helpful for the customer? And if it's not, then it needs to be. And you need to modify your prospect, your process. And that gets back to, well, why are you doing this in the first place? Which is, are you there to help your customer? 
So what Will was asking me there uh, pertained to the sales process, and I really never answered the process question because I didn't want to get into that at that point. And I do believe that the answer to the question was actually more relevant, which is, why do we have a sales process in the first place? And let's make sure that we're not relying and putting the burden on a sales process to do the work that we should have done up front in the marketing arena and and the lead generation part. But at some point, a person raises their hand and says, you know, you know what, I might want to be a client of yours, or I'm interested in what you have. And so that's where the sales process kicks in. And so I'm going to give you seven elements of a good sales process. I'm not defining the process itself. I want to make sure we're clear about that. So if you have a recipe for chocolate cake, all the things that go into the recipe, all the ingredients, you would say you have to have this much flour and you have to have sugar and you have to have butter and whatever frosting. That's not the process of baking the cake, though process of baking the cake is a step-by-step-by-step. First you do this, then you do this, then you do this. What I'm giving you here is not a, then you do this, then you do this. That's the process. This is the ingredients that have to be, to me, in a really good professional sales process. Not a weak one, not an amateur one, not one where you're trying to sell a one-call close on eBay. That's not what this is. This is B2B, high-end, premium process. Number one, You've got to have a pressure relief valve. There can't feel like there's a lot of pressure from you to the prospect to buy, to make a decision. The instant you're putting pressure on them, like, you know what, you got to make a decision by Friday or I'm going to have to pull the proposal, all that kind of crap, I think it subverts things. So up front, some kind of an upfront pressure relief valve. Look, at any point during this process, if you decide this is not right for you or I decide you're not right for me. Let's have the agreement that we'll abort the process and move on and uh, no hard feelings. And I just want to have that clear up front or some version of that. That's a little, might be a little bit uh, abrupt or forward. But the point is that I don't want to be in a process with someone trying to get them to do something that they don't want to do and they have no intention of doing. Why would I waste my life doing that? Number two, a framework for understanding their dilemma. You know, we've called this the need step, the pain step, the whatever it is. But it's it's a framework that you've got to have as a sales professional and a selling team. And by the way, I know there's a lot of VPs of sales, sales managers, CEOs. If you don't, if you can't deliver to me a framework for how your sales process works, you don't have one. And thus, everybody's on a different system. And that's no way to scale a business and grow a business if you have 25 salespeople and they're all using their own sales process. So a framework for understanding the customer's dilemma is vital. It could be an assessment, like a formal assessment. I've got some clients that do that. It could be something very informal, like a survey or a one-page questionnaire. Or it could be something that you put in front of the prospect that says, look, if you decide to engage with me in this process, this is what it looks like. But there's got to be some kind of a framework for helping you understand their needs, their pains, their problems, their visions, their dreams. Number three, economic mindfulness. It's not just the budget step. And I get so, it's the old, I won't say who it is, but it's the old budget step. Well, when are you going to ask them about the budget? Well, I'm not opposed to asking about budget, but I think economic mindfulness is a much higher and much more important element. And that is, what are all the elements of money? 
You know what economics is? Economics is the choice. It's the study of choice between doing this and doing that. And at some point, I'm going to pay a price if I do this, A, or I'm going to pay a price if I do this, B. And at some point, there's an opportunity cost. If I decide not to buy from you, there's an opportunity cost for that. I will pay a price not to buy. Do you know what that price is? Do you have some kind of economic mindfulness setup or structure or analysis that helps you and helps the customer understand the economics of the entire picture? And it's not just when I don't buy. Let's say you're calling on me trying to sell me a $100,000 thing that takes six months to implement. It's not just a $100,000 thing I'm going to be buying and cutting a check for. It's also the implementation of the people and the labor and the other things. I might be another 50000 in. So it's not just about the price of the product. It's not just about the budget. It's the whole economic structure and picture. And the higher you get in the B2B, it's like selling a business. If you came to me and said, Bill, I understand you're interested in buying a business. My business is for sale. I would get into all the economics. What's the lifetime value of the customer? How how much does it cost you to acquire a customer? What's your email list? How much do you generate? All the economics. And it's the same thing here. Your customer wants to know that. Why don't you lead with that? I think that would make you much better. Number four, education. I think part of your sales process should be education. You know, I do this podcast and I have the other podcast, the Advanced Selling Podcast. We do both of those. I do this one because I want to educate you. I want you to listen to this, get value out of it, try things that are helpful for you, and then call me and say, okay, I've got what I needed out of the podcast. Now I need coaching or now I need training for my team or now I need to be a better leader or whatever. So I will continue to do that because I know education works. Seldom does a week go by where I don't get a call from someone who says, okay, I'm ready. You, you, you got me. I listen every week. It's time for me to really grow and really get special attention and, and grow my business and, and myself. So you need to be educating your prospect. If you're not, you're lacking an important part of the process. Number five. Decision maker and and the whole perspective of who makes the decision. I know this is a this is going to be a bigger issue as we go forward. That's just my hunch. I have no data, no evidence to back it up. But I think with the recent business disruption and the whole 2020 drama of Corona and all that stuff, uh, and I don't mean to dilute the importance of it. In fact, it's very important. But it's going to change some things. And one thing I think is going to change is decision-maker perspective. I think people are going to stop and think before they make a decision to invest money, to commit resources. Is this really the best thing? That's why I love the economic step, because if your buyer can say, look, I'm going to spend $200,000 on this new cloud phone, blah, 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 but we're going to save an extra five hundred grand over the next three and a half years, that decision becomes a whole lot easier to make. Then if you go to your CFO and say, you know what, I want to spend $100,000 on, on a this, and the CFO says, well, what if we don't? Well, if we don't, eh, it's no big deal. What's the cost if we don't? Zero. Well, I'm, we're not going to do it then. So you've got to understand the decision maker's perspective on the investment on things. And if you don't, you're going to close a much lower percentage of your business than you would if you knew that. Number six, I think you've got to frame everything you do as a recommendation and detach from the outcome of the recommendation. And you've heard me talk about detachment and the, and the mental side, the psychological side of selling. But I think this is where when we say the word proposal or presentation, 
I think there's a certain amount of attachment there. There's a certain amount of hopefulness. Well, I'm going to propose to her. I'm going to propose this solution in hopes that they will buy and they will pay me a lot of money for it. There's a built-in attachment. So I say recommendation with detachment is this is my recommendation. If you want to follow it and you want to use me, that's awesome. If you don't, that's okay too. I don't care. It's not that I don't care about you getting your problem solved. I don't care about you getting your problem solved more than you care about getting your problem solved. Remember, we talk about the balance of detachment and attachment and where is the balance between what the customer wants and what I want. So your proposal should not be a proposal anymore. As of today, it should be a recommendation. You've taken the pain, you've taken the circumstances, you've fed it through your filtering system, your machine that solves problems like this, and you've delivered a recommendation. And then seven is the end. At some point, it has to come to an end. And I, I don't like the whole, you know, if you don't give me a decision by Friday, the price goes up. I don't like that. But I do think that at some point there needs to be an end game. And uh, at some point the person, you've got to say, look, if, if I don't hear from you by a week from Friday, you've gone crickets on me. You've gone silent. If I don't hear from you, I'll just assume this is over. No hard feelings, but I don't want to keep calling you back and bugging you and being persistent and being this amateur salesperson. I, I've got to move on. Now, You've got to also have something something to move on to. And if your lead generation system is not throwing leads to you, then you have another issue. And so then you'll start to latch and you'll clutch. I just call it clutching. And you'll be enslaved to the decision the customer makes. It'll be all about the decision. You don't. You shouldn't live like that, man. you got to get out of that. So those are the seven things. Now, one thing that was not in there, uh, I didn't say specifically, but I did in the broadcast, was... You've got to have. You've got to bring value for your customer during your process. And I meant to say that in the fourth part, where I talk about education, that's where that value comes. You're educating them. You're giving them something that they can take, and whether they use you or not, that they can go uh, make use of. So hopefully that helps you. Seven elements: pressure relief valve, a framework for understanding their dilemma or their problem or their goals. Number three. Economic mindfulness, number four, you got to educate them. You got to make them a sophisticated buyer, number five. Understand the decision making perspective that everybody who has a hand in the decision has. Number six, a recommendation. Don't propose anymore. Stop the proposals. Make it a recommendation. High high impact people make recommendations. They don't hope for proposals. And number seven, you gotta have an endpoint. At some point it has to come to an end. Go to BillCaskey.com if you want more information. Also, I, I wanted to tee up and I've been teeing this up and I'm not quite there yet, but we're doing we're going to be introducing some coaching packages. Uh, because I realize there's a lot of people in the market who don't want to be a part of a mastermind program. They don't want to spend $80,000 on training their team. They may be individual performers, and that may be you. And we've got a couple of coaching things that we're going to be uh, providing you uh, access to, to my calendar over the next month or so. So stay tuned for that. And I don't think I've told you this for a while, but I do appreciate you tuning in every week and listening. And I would love it if you did some kind of a review on Amazon, if the spirit moves you, good, bad, or indifferent. And I appreciate uh, everything you do in the world and in your own territory and in your own business life. And hopefully I've been able to provide a snitch of value today. I have no idea what a snitch is, but it sounds like a small measure. So hopefully, hopefully it's been helpful. See ya. Bye.